0: Hey everybody, it's me, Josh, and for this week's SYSK Selects, I've chosen our classic episode on sloths. Everybody knows that sloths bring the absolute best out of humans, and I suspect, I'm working on a theory here, that it's because we have some evolutionary memory of some moment where human beings were saved from extinction through the direct intervention of sloths. Like I said, it's a theory, and I'm still working out the details here, but I'll keep you posted. In the meantime, enjoy this wonderful episode on sloths.
1: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio.
0: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And there's guest producer Josh T. Over there. That's right. Think, thinking about the number twenty-three. Just sitting there thinking about it. <laughs> Is he on twenty-three? That's right.
1: Uh huh. I forgot that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's in Illuminati stuff, if I remember correctly. So and he's I, also look. Look at this guy; uh-huh. he is so good, Chuck. He knows to just sit there and keep quiet, even <laughs> though he's dying inside right now to talk about the number twenty-three.
1: Uh, if I just pulled out some random show from like our archive from years ago, could you say who the producer was? Oh, I don't know. Let's let's give it a try. Um, geez, now I have to think of a show that we did years ago. <laughs> Uh, well, since we're doing an animal show today, the only thing I can think of is animals. Uh, elephants. Wait, Jerry. I didn't mean that long ago. <laughs> Probably Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Or how about this? Can you name any shows that other guest producers were on off the top of your head?
0: Um, no. <laughs> this game turns so lame so fast.
1: <laughs> I feel like we, we... Well, Matt Frederick's too busy these days, but we can't have Matt anymore in here because... All Matt yeah. would do is sit there and like nod his head, like "uh-huh, yeah, yeah." yeah.
0: <laughs> it's very Either that, or his, his hands would be clasped together with this look of sheer joy on his face just to hear us talk. Well, it was but, great; it, it yeah. made it, it made recording that much better. Those you are know? the old
1: days. Matt's older and more cynical now. He doesn't care anymore <laughs> about us, <laughs> right? Yep, He's it's been true. Released into the forest like a baby sloth. Right. Which is good. That's what you
0: want to do with either Matt Frederick or a baby sloth. You don't want to keep them in captivity because sloths don't do very well in captivity. Matt does okay in captivity. He's fine. But a sloth, not nearly as well as what Matt Frederick can do in captivity.
1: Uh, Yeah, and you were watching just before we recorded, everyone should know, Josh was watching the 28 million view YouTube video of Kristen Mm -hmm. Bell. Uh, Can we call her friend of the show? Sure. I mean, she's probably not going to write in
0: to object to it. So, yeah, we could we could call her that.
1: She's a Stuff You Should Know listener or has been over the years, as uh, is her husband, uh, Mr. Dax Shepard, who was also mm. a movie crush guest. Um,
0: and, and he has his own podcast, too,
1: Armchair Expert. Yeah, he's crushing it right out of the gate. Sure. Those are yep. good uh, good podcasts, actually. I don't know if you listen to those. They're good. Yep. So uh, she, very famously, uh, he brought her a sloth on her birthday, and she went on Ellen, and they showed video, and it's still just one of the the great videos you can ever watch.
0: It is. It's very sweet. She's, like, having a meltdown
1: and— um, Fully, fully melting
0: down. Yeah, like crying, like sobbing. Oh, yeah. Because she's so excited that there's a sloth in her house because this is something she's, she's wanted to meet a sloth, like, for her whole life, and now she gets to.
1: Yeah, and I watched it again today, too, because after doing this uh, research, I was like, wait a minute— was she holding a sloth? Because that's not good. And uh, <laughs> it showed a picture, and she's not. The sloth is on its little perch, uh, yep. and she's very uh, respectfully next to the sloth, exactly how it should be.
0: If there's any reason that that kept <clears throat> Kristen Bell from being America's sweetheart, which I can't think of one, I can't that—, that. That erased it right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just knowing how to be around a sloth when you have meltdowns at the idea of being around a sloth. That's that's some serious self-control in for the benefit of the animal. That's great stuff.
1: Yeah, not touching the animal and uh, literally offering for me to change my daughter's diaper in her restaurant booth. Yeah, that's right. Because she said the bathroom was dirty. She's a class act. Class act.
0: So— Charles, you mentioned um elephants. We did an elephant episode and that, that it's similar to the to the whole sloth thing. Like you see a sloth especially if you see a sloth in captivity at a zoo or something like that, you're mm-hmm. like, Well I I wanna carry it around like a a, a baby or something I like know. that. It's a sloth, it's one of the cutest things on the planet. Yeah. But you don't wanna do that. Sloths don't Really deal with captivity very well, although they can live way longer in captivity. They're not necessarily happy, but I was thinking one of the things, one of the reasons why people seem to think that they are happy or would want to be picked up is because at least among one type of sloth, they're always smiling. Oh man, they're smiling, which makes them super cute. They also have a mullet. That's the um, the three toed uh, Bradypus sloth yeah um they have a mullet and they are always smiling but if you look it's just the coloring on their face that happens to resemble a smile they're they're they have so little muscle mass that they don't have the capability of smiling making their face smile it's just the colorings on their fur
1: yeah which is can be very misleading to us dumb humans because they can be (laughs) scared or stressed out of their mind and it still looks like they're just chilling and smiling
0: Right, look, it's smiling. It loves it when I juggle it with two bowling <laughs> balls and a flaming, a flaming um, pitchfork. Oh, <laughs> that's the best I could come up with. <laughs> Wondering where that was going. Have you ever seen a flaming pitchfork? It's uh, something
1: <laughs> only on The Simpsons. So let's get into this because uh, the cuteness is just—it's cute overload when it comes to sloths. They are ridiculously cute. Mm-hmm. Um, their whole vibe is just. You know, right up my alley, at least. Sure. Not that I'm lazy. Mellow and... <laughs> but, well, you know me. The real me isn't super mellow, but I like to pretend to be. Sure. I strive to be. <laughs> you get the sloth vibe. Yeah, it's it's an aspirational state, slothness. Yeah, so uh, I love the very first sentence of this research says, they are highly successful, which kind of cracked me up mm-hmm. when I read it because I pictured sloths, of course, in business suits. Uh, like running a company. <laughs> right, can you hurry it up? I have no time for this. But what that means is, is that uh, for a very, very, very long time, sloths generally have flourished uh, in the world.
0: Yeah, they think that they probably evolved. Um, they're part of a, a group or a family <clears throat> or some taxonomic designation called Xenothara. Um, and Xenothara um are it's it's like the weirdo group that's sloths, anteaters, um I think that's and Zenarthra. Armadillos. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Depending on whether you want to be classy or not, or All sound right. tough. Sure. Sure, Xenarthra. Okay, I'll go with that. <laughs> but it's sloths, anteaters, armadillos. Oh yeah. Um pretty much any odd um animal you can think of would would fall into Xenartha. What, what, what did you say? Xenarthra? Xenarthra. Xenarthra. So uh, they all kind of formed uh, together in isolation on what was once an island, South America, as, as long back as 80 million years ago. What? Yeah. It was an island? Yeah, you know, like the, the whole continental drifts and all that stuff. And it, it decided to
1: make friends with Central America?
0: Yeah, and, and higher sea levels, that kind of thing. When the sea levels got locked up in ice or when a lot of seawater got locked up in ice, the land bridge that is Central America came along and said, hey, build some ziggurats on me.
1: <laughs> so they are highly successful. Uh, they are very slow-moving, like everyone knows. Um, they are in Central and South America still, no surprise there. Um, and like you said, there are two kinds. There are the two-toed uh, colepus I
0: was going Colipus? with Coleoepus. Oh. Coloepus. 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 It rhymes with Bosiphus.
1: Okay. <laughs> That's a good way to remember it. Sure. Uh, and then the little Tom Brady puss, uh, which is the three toed, but it's a bit of a misnomer because the two toed has three toes but mm-hmm. two fingers.
0: Right, that's how they're classified or separated from one another, the two-toed or the three-toed, right? So, um and technically I read somewhere Chuck that they actually don't have legs, they're a four-armed creature. Oh, is that the designation four arms? Yeah, from what I saw, but they they really just pay attention to how many fingers are on the forearms or the forelimbs. Gotcha. What we would think of as their arms, their front arms. But they're really all four arms. Okay. And th- the way that I, I kept um, the two separated so two-toe is coloepus, three-toed is bradypus is that I thought the Brady Bunch has more kids. <laughs> so the Brady Bunch has more toes. And it's been
1: working all day, frankly. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's the second mnemonic device you've dropped in the first, like, 10 minutes of the show. Yeah, what do you think? You're doing great. Good. As long as it's working. So uh, the two-toed guys uh, and ladies, they roam, um, as far as sloths go, a pretty great distance. Uh, mm-hmm. They can forage... And ranges up to 350 acres, uh, whereas the three-toed guys, they only have a range of about 13 acres. uh, And then there's the cutest of all sloth, the pygmy sloth, Mm -hmm. that are just on one one little island off the coast of Panama.
0: Right. And they're actually critically endangered as far as sloths go, which we'll get to later.
1: They Mm -hmm. are so cute. It's ridiculous
0: but like as close as these sloths are like there's not that many differences besides the number of toes on their forelimbs um the the fact that you know one has the the smile markings the three-toed has the smile markings mm-hmm. and the mullet haircut the other one looks like um there's a site called Slothville it's a it's a <laughs> conservation site run yeah. by a woman named Lucy Cook and um, she says that the two toad sloths look a bit like a cross between a Wookiee and a pig. And I think okay. she absolutely nailed it with that description, right?
1: Yeah, but one of them looked like the little, what was the Christmas special? What was <clears throat>
0: Chewbacca's son? Oh, man, if you can remember that, Chuck, I'll buy you a <laughs> case of beer.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Put your phone down. I don't uh, know. I can't remember. But that's sort of what it reminded me of. Norman.
0: I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was Norman.
1: Norman. Yeah. Norman Baca. You're right. <laughs> I can't remember. I can't either. I I'm sure was there's Norman. somebody
0: out there that's like, <laughs> you owe me a case of beer, Josh. I only said that I was making that offer to Chuck.
1: So a Wookiee a Pig, that's a pretty good descriptor.
0: Right. So my point is this, though. Um, as as similar as two-toed sloths and three-toed sloths seem, and there are some differences. But really, in the grand scheme of things, they're, they seem a lot a lot closer than say you know a um, a, a dove and a sloth <laughs> yeah agreed a flaming pitchfork and a sloth <laughs> agreed um, but they're actually really separate they're not even they're multiple different species they're not even in the same genus and for comparison, humans and chimps are in the same genus.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. The two
0: different types of sloths aren't even in the same genus. So there's a, a big distinction between the two. And um, I looked up sloth news, which is fast-breaking, strangely enough. <laughs> but they've, they, there's a study that came out recently where they did some molecular DNA studies on sloth um sloth evolution and they found that they may the two-toed and the three-toed sloths may be even further separated and may have evolved independently of one oh, wow. another that they may be even more distantly related than we than we think so as similar as they seem to be they're actually pretty different
1: although they are really similar it's a it's a weird <laughs> fluke of evolution all around yeah characteristically i think they're fairly similar um the two-toed variety are a little bit bigger uh, and hang upside down a little bit more than mm-hmm. the three-toed variety, who you'll see those sitting upright sometimes in trees. But I read somewhere that they sloths can spend up to 90% of their life upside down. Yeah, which is, yeah. Which is amazing. They do everything
0: upside down. They mate upside down. They give birth upside down. They do almost everything that they do upside down hanging. And and did you say it was the two-toed that spend more of their life upside down than the three-toed?
1: Yeah, two-toed a little bit more uh, hang time.
0: Right, so that's one difference, but even still, it's not like the three-toed are just averse to being upside down. I think both of them spend so much time upside down that the part of their hair, rather than being on their backs or their head, the top of their head like ours is, um, it's on their bellies because they're upside down so much that that's how gravity has forced their hair to part, just like Shemp,
1: like an (laughs) upside-down (laughs) Shemp. Boy, Shemp's hair, wow. It was something. It was something. Uh, He had the original butt cut. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yep. Uh, so the Puss also has an extra neck vertebrae. So if you've ever seen a sloth uh, seemingly turn its head 360 degrees, it's mm-hmm. because they can turn their head about 270 degrees and have almost a 360-degree, you know, counting their peripheral vision uh, right. range of sight.
0: Yes, yes,
1: but... Without moving is, their body, that is.
0: That is strictly from moving their head. They actually, again, they lack so much muscle mass and tissue that they don't have the muscles to move their eyeballs in their in their heads. So when they look so around, great. they have to move their whole head. I felt but like it that is before. helped out <laughs> for sure, especially after a, a, a hard night on sure. a Saturday. But they, um, they, they, the fact that they have that extra vertebrae helps them look around more. But it's just one more thing that makes them an extraordinarily unusual creature because only sloths. And manatees are, are uh, mammals that have more than seven vertebrae. Every other mammal on the planet has seven vertebrae. And sloths and manatees are the only two that don't.
1: A is a mammal?
0: Yeah. All right. Yeah, they, they breathe air. They just spend a lot of time in water. They were probably some sort of like wolf or bear or something that eventually took to water.
1: Well, speaking of bears and water, uh, mm-hmm. sloths are really good swimmers. Um, if mm-hmm. you look up a YouTube video of sloth swimming, it's actually... They can kind of get around um, and are somewhat graceful in the water. Uh, they can hold their breath for up to 40 minutes. And in order to do so, they can cut their heart rate by two-thirds and their metabolism down, which is like they already, I mean, we'll get into their metabolism later, but that's saying something if they can cut their metabolism down even more on purpose.
0: Yeah, for real, because the, the sloth metabolism is a, a thing to to behold in your mind. <laughs> it's like, um, it, it, yeah, we'll get to it in a little bit, but just just know that I'm excited to talk about sloth metabolism.
1: Okay, uh, and then I mentioned speaking of bears, uh, they their original predecessor back in the day was something called a giant ground sloth or a mm-hmm. uh, megatherium, and if mm-hmm. you look at this thing, it looks sort of like a bear. Um, its face is a little bit different, but it kind of looks like a, just a big giant brown bear. It looked like a giant beaver to me without the tail. Oh, really? That's,
0: I mean, that's what I thought.
1: Well, a beaver without a tail is really just a tiny bear with big teeth. <laughs> I,
0: I guess so. I guess so. But it, they found that, that just from examining its bones, they found that it could walk on um, its back legs, yeah. which makes it the largest bipedal land mammal that ever lived, which is pretty cool. And it was a sloth ancestor. Amazing. And we used to eat them, too, Chuck. We found um, tool marks on some of the bones. And they think, well, humans probably hunted it to extinction.
1: Yeah, tuk-tuk, I guess. Yeah. Although we determined he was a Neanderthal, right?
0: Right. He's been designated officially as a Neanderthal. <laughs> uh, shall we take a break? I think
1: it's high time, man. <laughs> All right. This is our slowest episode ever, and so... we'll be right back. So before we get going on uh, more real sloth stuff, uh, I'm, I'm assuming you have not seen the movie Zootopia, or have you? I don't think. No, a- I haven't. Kids movie? No, no, I, I haven't. There's a uh, there's a sloth scene where uh, that's very, very funny, and in fact, they made that a very big part of the original movie trailer, where mm-hmm. these uh, animals are in a hurry to find out some information from the DMV and so they go to the DMV and of course as you know sort of an in joke to anyone who's ever been at the DMV which is notably slow they had a sloth that was it was completely run by sloths <laughs> and there's just this one great scene where they go up and try to get information from a sloth and they really do it right they take their time and uh, it's funny for kids and adults alike highly recommend
0: it is it, and I mean like it's probably fairly accurate because if sloths you know, everybody knows they're super super slow. How slow but it's Josh? not it's not really an overstatement or exaggeration. They genuinely are extremely slow. I saw that they, they move on the ground, which is when they move about the fastest, aside mm-hmm. from swimming, at something like half a kilometer per hour at top speed, and that they'll they'll move maybe six to eight feet up a tree in a minute. Yeah. And these things are are made to climb trees. Mm -hmm. And that's how fast, or I should say, that's how slow they move.
1: Yeah, uh, the actual term sloth um, dates back to the 12th century in Spain, or in the Spanish language at least. Uh, They were called los uh, perezosos, Mm -hmm. which translates to the lazies, Mm -hmm. which is hysterical because Emily and I often call animals lazies. Look at those lazies. Uh, Because... Pets are lazy. <laughs> sure, yeah. They're not sloth lazy, though. No, they're not sloth lazy, but that literally translates into the lazies. And then when the Spanish explorers started talking about the lazies, it was translated into the word sloth in English in about the, I guess, early 17th century.
0: Yeah, yeah, because it was a it was a cleric, I believe, who was like, oh, well, we don't talk about laziness,
1: we talk about sloth, because it's a, one of the seven deadly sins. No, it's really kind of a down word when it's used as a as an insult for sure (laughs) you know but it's like the sloths are the best so I don't know I like it
0: I know but at the same time it's like if somebody calls you slothful you know that they walked right past lazy, like they, yeah. they saw it and said, "Nope, lazy's not enough. I really want to drive home,
1: yeah, how much I disdain your laziness yeah that that is a good descriptor, like if someone at work is slow with something and you describe them as slothful instead of just slow,
0: <laughs> right because good. you're you're passing judgment on them as oh, well, yeah. like like yeah. biblical style judgment, like you're going to hell, <laughs> that's how slow you you took in getting this t p s report
1: to me, uh, so <laughs> two toed sloths are uh, omnivorous so they can eat animals. Um, I didn't see where they do that a lot. They mainly still eat fruits and leaves and twigs and things Um, but they they will eat birds sometimes and lizards. I would imagine they have to be wounded or something because it's not like they, I mean surely they don't hunt. They're not fast enough right? Yeah, they're not snatching a bird out of the air or something like that. They're not going (laughs)
0: after hummingbirds. It would have to be like uh, maybe a recently killed or a yeah. an injured bird. And, man, if you're an injured bird in the tropical rainforest of Central and South America, I'm guessing the last thing you want to see is a hungry two-toed sloth slowly coming at you <laughs> because you know it's going to take a really long time for it to eat
1: you alive. There's a funny YouTube video actually called uh, When a Sloth Chases You. <laughs> and it's just a sloth on the ground like set to... Horror music <laughs>
0: That's, awesome. <laughs> That's
1: awesome. I watched a lot of sloth videos. There's well, there's a lot of good ones out
0: there. I I recommend looking up Sloth Fight.
1: Okay. You'd you <laughs> think
0: it'd be sad or disturbing, but there's a bunch of different videos and it's actually it's in the grand sloth style. It's really cute when sloths fight. Yeah. Oh bite like, or pay, fight?
1: fight, fight. Oh, gotcha.
0: Like they, they look like they're taking it seriously, and they're all agitated. But it's impossible for us to take the sloth fight seriously. It's just too cute, <laughs> and they're just too incompetent
1: at fighting. Oh dear, uh, the three-toed guys—they uh, are very much more picky eaters, and they eat um, generally they eat these toxic leaves from just a few trees. Mm-hmm. And they they hang around like if they find a good tree that they like, they will hang around that tree for a long, long time.
0: Yeah, there's, apparently they, they know that some three-toed sloths will inhabit the same tree for their whole life. It's, yeah. it's rare, it's unusual, but even still, I mean, their entire range usually doesn't extend over like 13 acres or five and a half hectares, right? Like it's a very small, limited area that a, sloth, a three-toed sloth in particular will, will inhabit their whole life.
1: All right, I think we can talk about the metabolism now, since we're eating. Oh yes, I'm so
0: happy. <laughs> I, so I, I know
1: what the I know what your fact of the show probably is. So just go ahead.
0: There's like eight in here. <laughs> yeah, that's you, true. So the reason sloths move so slowly is because. In part, they metabolize so slowly. Like when you when you metabolize, you're converting like food into energy, right? Mm-hmm. And you're doing all sorts of stuff with that. You're moving your muscles, you're, you're walking, you're laughing, you're talking, you're recording a podcast, you're digesting food. And sloths are mammals, so they do have this metabolism that's similar to... Um, Any other mammal metabolism, it's just way slower, and therefore it's way weaker. Like the human metabolism puts out about 80 watts of energy Mm -hmm. at any given time. Sloths put out less than four watts. It's just extraordinarily slow. And even compared to humans... Uh, or compared to other animals their same size they they metabolize things way more slowly, so the reason that they move so slowly is because they literally don't have the energy to move yeah. much faster
1: yeah it's uh it takes a whole month to digest a meal mm-hmm. um they They have to do it that slow if they would digest faster, it could poison themselves because they 're eating these toxic leaves right uh, they don 't have incisors, so they they trim these leaves down. They smack their little lips together and trim these leaves <laughs> down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I hate to say the word cute again, but it's pretty adorable to see a little sloth chewing on a leaf. Yeah, but
0: imagine you're a wounded bird and a toothless sloth
1: is eating you to death. Yeah, I imagine it's not a quick a quick death.
0: No, you get gummed to death.
1: <laughs> uh, and I think the fact of the show probably is this whole, um, whole farting business. Sure. Take it. All right. Well, here's the deal. They eat so slow that they don't even have gas that builds up in their system. Uh, that is how slow they they are digesting their food. So the gas just mm-hmm. gets reabsorbed uh, through the intestines and into the bloodstream. Uh, and it says here that they're, uh, the gas is then uh, respired out of the lungs. Does mm-hmm. that mean that they mouth fart? Or does it...
0: Yeah, that, I mean that's what I saw is that they have yeah they basically pass those same gases that they normally would out of their their fanny in the American sense, um, <laughs> the, the out of their mouth through breathing. Interesting.
1: So yeah, I guess they mouth fart. Worst band name ever. That mouth may be fart? worse than Diarrhea Planet.
0: <laughs> I think you're right, man. <laughs> it's better than no. It's actually worse than Frozen Poop Knife too. <laughs> they should do a joint tour. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know that Mouthfart's going to be the opener always. They're never oh, going to sure. make it to the yeah. headline. You, you boys sorry, will never headline.
1: <laughs> no. And I say boys because there's no way a girl band would be called Mouthfart. They're way too smart mouth for that. Mouthfart. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they also have a multi-chambered stomach, sort of like a cow, um, right. uh, which is really interesting because that's like a third of their body weight if their stomachs are full.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, the reason why it's just so so much of their body weight is because they digest food so slowly, they have to have this multi-chambered stomach to get as many nutrients as they possibly can out of it. And even still, like, it's a, a really terrible evolutionary strategy to evolve as a a, a strictly, um, is it herboravous? Er, as strictly tree-dwelling herbivore. Yeah. Like, that's that's a really bad strategy because you have to be small enough to exist in the tree, right? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you have to be big enough to eat tons of leaves every day. Yeah. Well... The 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 if not you because leaves don't give you they're not very energy dense so you have to eat a ton of them to get good energy. Well, the sloths evolved a different strategy. They just slowed their metabolism down, right. so they can be small, but they don't have to eat that many leaves. And in fact, they can go for days without eating. And because they digest so slowly, they only poop about once a week. But to to the central cog of this whole. Uh, adaptation is having a big stomach that can very slowly digest every possible nutrient
1: out of the the food that they eat. Yeah, so they they do they defecate and urinate once a week, mm-hmm. um, generally in the same spot, kind of at the base of the tree. I don't think they like to wander too far because right. when they're on the ground, they are um, much more at risk than when they're up in their tree. Um, yeah, because they're super slow and they're you know they're at risk for attack for you know. Whatever, any any sort of larger mammal could come by and have a sloth lunch at any time.
0: Right, right. In particular, the harpy eagle is like their main predator, but also, yeah, they're they're definitely vulnerable to ocelots and jaguars and um, virtually any other predator in the jungle because they move so slowly and they have such a an inability to defend themselves. But what they've, what that some researchers think that the reason sloths evolved to move so slowly is because it's a defense mechanism for them. That rather than um, like the howler monkeys that they share the jungle with. You know, when something comes along um, and and gets the howler monkeys agitated, the howler monkeys scream and run around and try to escape. Yeah, it's chaos. The sloths, right, the sloths who may be in the same tree as a howler monkey um, just stays motionless and silent. And so they they camouflage in with the tree. (laughs) So that really slow movement is actually a a defensive adaptation as well.
1: Yeah, I think the sloths' uh, defensive motto is nothing to see here. (laughs) <laughs> You're just like, we're just going to be really still, let these monkeys take all the attention and no one will notice us. And that's kind of the idea. Yeah, that's exactly
0: the idea. And it works. It actually does work. And it's it's a, it's misleading, I think, to say, which means I accidentally misled everybody, that, that sloths have no um, recourse if they are found out. I've, I saw at least one video where a harpy eagle, found a sloth in a tree and lands right next to it and the sloth just slowly like lifts its arm up and kind of swats behind <laughs> it with its claw oh, man at the harpy eagle and the harpy eagle looked kind of puzzled <laughs> but it it worked like the harpy eagle left it alone so yeah they they can ward off danger just not that frequently actually
1: yeah, and, you know, they—they they, despite the fact that they move super slow they, uh, and they are lazy, they don't actually sleep as much as you would think. Um, in mm-hmm. captivity, they will sleep a lot longer because they have, you know, no predators around, no jaguars. Right. And they understand that, and they're like, all right, everything's cool. I can really dig in and sleep some. But mm-hmm. out in the wild, they sleep, um, you know, a little under 10 hours, which is, I guess if you would have asked me beforehand, I would, I would have guessed, you know, 15 and up. For sloth, right. for sloth sleep.
0: Well, they will in captivity. They, they sleep as much as 15 to 20 hours a day. But in the
1: wild, they think, like you said, you
0: know, they got to be on point.
1: And they're not stinky either, which is another great thing, even though no. you definitely don't want a sloth as a pet um, for reasons we'll talk about later. They don't smell. They, they smell, um, smell kind of like the, the trees they live in, uh, which is kind of mm-hmm. great and another defense mechanism.
0: Yeah, so the reason that they smell like the trees that they live in is because sloths move so slowly that algae grows on them in their coat, in their fur. Yeah, this is the other sort
1: of amazing part. Like, I had no idea.
0: No, I didn't either, and I don't think researchers had much of an idea about this until recently. They knew that sloths got covered with, with green algae, especially during the rainy season. Normally, they have like a tan or a brown colored coat, but when it gets rainy in the uh, tropical rainforest they live in, uh, an algae-like growth will build up on their coat, which, I mean, you try to grow some algae on you. You can't do it. I've tried. Even if you didn't take a shower, you, you move <laughs> around too much. You couldn't get any algae to grow on you. Sloths can. And at first they thought, haha, that's that's hilarious. Yet another funny fact about how slow sloths are. But as they've... Um, as they've researched more deeply into it, they found that actually the sloth coat is an amazing ecosystem in itself on the sloth. And that whether it's it, it's intentional or not, the sloth actually kind of cultivates a farm inside of its own coat that it uses to help feed itself too.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I had seen pictures of these green tinted sloths uh, and mm-hmm. always kind of wonder what the deal was. Um, it helps act as camouflage, which is super helpful. Right. Yeah. And I don't know, did you mention the groove in the center of, of the hairs? No. Uh-uh. Yeah, so each hair has a little groove down the center, and that's where the algae is allowed to grow. And obviously, because they're not moving fast, you're going to get you know, a more of a chance to grow too. But mm-hmm. like you said, they are a little ecosystem into themselves in that fur. Uh, they did one study that found 980 beetles living on a single sloth. Just taking roosts in there in their little jungle coats. Right. Uh, And then there's this moth species. This is crazy. Um, The sloth moth, which is another great band name, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Cryptosis. uh, (laughs) Colepi? Coloepi? Coloepi? I always say just the E. It's always OE. I think you're right.
0: Yeah.
1: Coloepi? Coloepi, Coloepi,
0: something like that. Right. Tomato, tomato,
1: cryptosis coloepi dire, uh, mm. and they they actually colonize exclusively in sloth fur.
0: Right, that's the only place you will find that type of moth is living in the fur
1: of a sloth. It's the sloth moth. Yeah, like totally symbiotic relationship. Uh, you know, they climb down the, once a week to poop, and mm-hmm. they they these moths lay their eggs in that poop. Um, and yes, they can actually lay their eggs in. Uh, dingleberries, sloth dingleberries. Sure. Everyone knows what that is, right? Do we need to explain that?
0: I don't know. I would say look it up.
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's as far as we need to say. (laughs) So the adult moths emerge from this poop, uh, and they then say, mama, and they fly up and take rest in the sloth's fur.
0: Right. And then they mate and reproduce and then they um, lay eggs in the sloth poop and the circle of life continues. But again, this type of moth you won't find anywhere on earth except in the fur of a sloth. And then there's also beetles in there. And so as these things like grow and die and decay and other plant matter and whatever's floating around in the air in the rainforest all kind of combine and get stuck into these grooves in the hair of the sloth fur. It forms this algae. And they they know that there is um, a relationship between the sloth moth and the algae in that the sloths that have the most moths also have the most algae. And they figured out it's just basically this decaying matter. Yeah. And they're like, "Okay, this is too weird. Camouflage, that kind of makes sense." But the the fact that there's a moth that only lives in, in the sloth fur and the more, more of those moths are, the more algae there is. It's just too weird. And, um, they, they tested this algae and they found that it's rich in fats. And for a very long time, they're like, okay, the metabolism kind of explains how a sloth could sustain itself. It's just, it burns so little energy that it, it, it can live on very, very nutrient sparse leaves. But it's still kind of a mystery. It doesn't fully make sense. And they think they figured out that the sloth as it's grooming itself eats this algae which is uh, high in fats, and that that supplements its diet of leaves. And that's really the combination of these leaves and this algae are what keep the sloth alive over its lifetime.
1: And in the meantime, their urine and their feces are uh, fertilizing the tree that is their habitat. Right. Where these moths are also laying their eggs. So it's just like this really unique... Symbiosis going on between plant, animal, and insect, yeah, uh, and everyone seems to be doing great,
0: yeah, and one of the th- I was like, well, you know how much does that really help if the sloth is pooping at the base of the tree once a week, does that really help sure, and apparently it really does Slow it, and it 's not one of those. <laughs> It is slow, really. So you just nailed it. So sloths are so slow, their poop actually slows down the decomposition in the tree because in the rainforest, decomposition happens so fast that the tree is actually nutrient depleted because the, the decomp happens so fast. Sloth poop slows the whole process down and actually nurtures the tree even more.
1: Yeah, it seems like everywhere the sloth goes, everyone just chills out.
0: It basically, the, the sloth dingleberries are just little rainbows trailing out of its behind. <laughs>
1: That's what sloths have. You have to look closely, but you'll see it. it sounds like a story my daughter would make up. <laughs> nice. So, uh, you do share a birthday. Yeah, uh, we do. Hey, which is coming up, actually, probably right around the time this is released. So. Oh, yeah. Well, happy, happy birthday. birthday, Ruby. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll take a break, and we'll come back and talk about sloth sex right after this.
0: All right, Chuck, you promised it. You have to deliver. Sloth sex, (laughs) blow by blow, go.
1: So here's the deal. This is where things like if you're like, all right, the sloth is the cutest thing and this is all adorable and they're just amazing. They are all those things. But this is when you might, I just want to prepare everyone to be slightly disappointed maybe a little bit with (laughs) the next couple of segments. Uh, Because first of all, sloths, you want to just think they, they sit around and just hug and love on each other all the time? They're mm-hmm. solitary creatures. They don't want to be around even other sloths.
0: No, but but this is something that, that you can have to kind of pick yourself back up after that devastating blow. Okay. In In a square kilometer of rainforest, there might be something like 700 sloths. So they're so close. even though they're yes, they're they're very dense neighborhoods of basically shut-in weirdos. <laughs> right. Imagine that. That's a sloth community. Uh,
1: the the most devastating thing is coming up later. I know you know what I'm talking about. Oh yes. Oh uh, boy. Uh, but the males like let's say two sloths did find themselves on the same tree, they might get into a little fight. But more than likely, they'll just, you know, one of them will leave and they'll go find their own tree. And it might be a tree 10 or 15 feet away, it sounds like. But it's their own. Um, they look for new trees also when they're searching for a female partner. The males do. And they mate very quickly. It's um, It lasts just a few seconds. And then the males leave the female. They don't have anything to do with the babies, which I looked up and I was like, surely they have some cute name like sloth babies, but they're just called sloth babies, which is cute enough, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty cute. It's not bad.
0: (laughs) So, you know, you know, we were talking about fertilizing trees and everything when they come down and poop once a week. Yeah, I know where this is headed. So that was a big that was a big mystery like why would you if you're a sloth it's coming down from a tree to poop uses up about 8% of your energy. That's a lot. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense because it leaves you vulnerable to to predation. Some researchers say uh, we got to figure it out. They're leaving scent markers on the tree right. to signal to other sloths, "Come on over here, um I'm I'm open." To to whatever freaky stuff you want to try, sloth friend.
1: Yeah, anal secretions. So he <laughs> uh, like a male sloth will literally just say, I'm just going to rub my anus here and I'll meet <laughs> right. you back there at 11 o'clock. <laughs> at least a little rainbow trail. I guess so. Uh, the female can also, and and, and I heard these, uh, I looked up some videos on the female mate, mating call or whatever, because they can also mm-hmm. put out the call that they're ready. Um and it's described as a high-pitched scream here in this article, but it sounds sort of bird-like. Like if I was in the jungle and I heard this, I would think it was a bird. Yeah, um, it's not sexy, though. Uh, <laughs> it's not sexy. It's animal. <laughs> Can, did you get that reference or no?
0: No, I didn't, but confused. I appreciate you saying it was a reference.
1: <laughs> uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Balky. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a little cameo in Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> he was one of the all-time greats. I never watched that TV show. I know you
0: didn't, and Chuck, you're missing out. Remember, I keep going back to that piano-moving episode, and it was just one of the greatest (laughs) pieces of physical comedy ever. Really? But yeah, also, and it wasn't just Balky. Like, Balky and Cousin Larry were really well cast. They were perfect foils. Seeing Cousin Larry get uh, like his last bit of patience just break and his eyes get really big uh-huh. because Balky did something, it was a beautiful thing to behold. Uh, cousin Larry, was he the other guy, the main guy? Yeah, I see a, I see a DVD box set in your future.
1: <laughs> Were they actually cousins? In the show, yes, well, but yeah, not in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know life. the setup at all. Is it that he has this wacky cousin from another land that all of a sudden shows up on his doorstep? Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. Balky Bartakamus from—I can't remember. They say it a bunch of times, but his he, he's like a central—southern, su- central European— type guy, like gotcha. from, from the Balkans or something like Latvia or something. And he comes over to America and he stays with his cousin, Larry. I'll
1: have to check it out. It's funny. All the, all the great TV out that's mounting on a list. I'm like, I'll have to mm-hmm. check out perfect strangers. Right, right exactly. <laughs> it's on my list. It should uh, be high up. So uh, the woman puts out the mating call, the males, uh, there may be competition for, uh, for that lady, um, who is in need. And if they do fight, they will fight upside down. And uh, like you said, it's um, a sloth fight is I guess pretty cute as it turns out, it right? Is cute, yeah, it is cute.
0: So yeah, the males will fight to the to the hurt bruised ego, and then one of them will leave, and the the male that remains will say, "Okay, give me a kiss, baby," and then they'll have um, they'll do it like a few times, yeah. Uh, but it's really fast, apparently. I didn't. I, I have enough pride to not look up sloth sex, but um, it, it, from what I read, it, it happens very quickly, and then that's that. And like like you said earlier, the male just kind of moves along. Like good that's luck it. with uh, our children, and then the sloth. Um, Gestation period depends on whether it's a two-toed or a three-toed sloth, but it's somewhere between six and 11 months. And then a sloth mom will give birth to one sloth baby at a time. No, no
1: litters. Nope. Just one cute little baby. So here's where it gets devastating. Um, They do nurse their young for a little while, but again, that takes a lot of energy to nurse a little baby. So they Mm -hmm. only do that um, for a couple of weeks before they wean that baby onto solid food. Uh, the mommy is passing along all the information that the baby needs to know about what food is and uh, how, to, how to hang and live in trees. And they do cling to their moms, which is super cute, for about 6 to 11 months. Um, and then they uh, are off on their own, although they do – this is sort of cute. They do share a range with mom and apparently right. will stay within uh, calling distance of one another. Mm-hmm. And this is all great. And I know I'm set set everyone up for heartbreak. So here it goes. If a mommy sloth is up in a tree and baby sloth slips and falls down to the ground, mommy may just leave baby there. Yeah. And that is, like, really hard for me to accept. (laughs) I know.
0: I know, because a baby sloth is cute. Adult sloths are cute enough, but a baby sloth is just uh, like eye bleach, right? So, to 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 the idea of it just being like down there on their own. Sorry, kid. Waiting to be eaten. It was, it was a great three months we had together, but I'm not going to put myself in the at risk of being a vulnerable vulnerable to to some sort of predator. That's the deal, right? Yeah, that's what they think is that oh, the baby's man. just not worth it to the sloth, which is really sad. I would understand that if there were sloth litters and yeah, one of them fell off or that they didn't bond, but they clearly do bond during the the piggyback phase of the baby's development. Yeah. So it's they think that it's just like it's just too much of a risk for the sloth and the sloth says better you than me, kid. Yeah, this
1: uh, this disturbed me because I was the same as you. I was like if there was a litter, I get it, or if they uh like they're highly successful, so you would think mm-hmm. that you know after a nine you know up to a year of gestation period, or if they pump babies out like every month or so it wouldn't be a big deal right, right. but I don't know, it just seemed like it was worth that eight percent uh energy and maybe a risk of, of panther uh feed being panther feed
0: right, so I mean I guess it would if the it happened if the baby falling happened to coincide. With the mom having to poop at the base <laughs> of the tree. Maybe the baby has a chance then. I'm gonna save you because I gotta
1: take a dump. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man. Um so let's just go right past that because that is still super sad for me to think about. Uh they do live for about uh twenty years in the wild, which is pretty good for a mammal, especially one that slow and that you know, seemingly defenseless. Yeah, um, that's the three toed. Yeah, the three-toed. The two toads live about twelve uh, in captivity, though, they can live thirty and forty years, uh, yep. including our old friend Miss C at the Adelaide Zoo in Australia, who just died a couple of years ago at the old age of forty-three.
0: For, from what I understand, she's the oldest um, known sloth to to live. She looked and good the too. fact that she did. She looked great right up to the end, like Phyllis Diller. <laughs> um, and the the fact that uh, that sloths' lifespans double or triple in captivity yeah. uh, really kind of says a lot about just how how much uh, how, how frequently they fall victim to predators yeah like that's what kills sloths yeah is, it's not fighting with other sloths it's not falling from trees they can withstand that it's being eaten by a predator. That's how sloths typically die. So when you take them out of that situation, they tend to live very long. But like we were saying at the top of this episode, they're not necessarily happy. They get very stressed out when humans handle them and they can actually die from stress. Um, they look happy, but they would much rather be at their home in Central and South America. For they're sure. Really, really, they're really, really difficult to keep alive because, remember, especially with the three-toed sloth, they're real picky eaters, and they learn from their mothers what constitutes food. And so whatever tree that their mom's been living in, basically that specific tree yeah. growing in a rainforest in in South America— that is what constitutes food to the sloth, not anything else you could possibly come up with. And so they'll they'll starve in captivity pretty easily, actually, especially if they're kept in captivity outside of Central or South America.
1: Yeah. So if they do, let's say you're a, uh, a wildlife management uh, professional and you come upon a little baby sloth that has been dropped, they will rescue that sloth if they can and try and rehabilitate it. But the, the goal is to get it back into the wild as soon as possible. Not like, oh, it's so cute, we're going to keep it around for a little while. I mean, there are clearly some in captivity, but it's not like a common zoo animal that you will see.
0: Right. the The There was one other thing that was kind of a quirk of their metabolism. So they're mammals, which means they're warm-blooded, mm-hmm. but they're actually not. Really warm blooded because they produce so little energy and right. heat through their metabolism. They actually use the same kinds of strategies that, like, snakes and lizards do, where they use the sun to adjust their body temperature. Which means that if it gets too hot, they can overheat and die. If it gets too cold, they can very easily freeze to death because yeah. their body temperature changes with the ambient temperature. So, that combined with the fact that their food comes from a single tree in Central America, um, that makes them really difficult to keep alive in captivity, which is why, like you're saying, they want to rehabilitate them back into the wild. That's the goal of it.
1: Yeah, and while they are doing pretty well out there as far as their um, status goes, they uh, are, of course, threatened in the sense that any animal in South America in the rainforest is threatened uh, because of deforestation. Uh, This Mm -hmm. is just, you know, the sad fact, all animals, even if they're doing well, uh, are going to be threatened if you're um, hacking through and, and leveling their habitat, like is what is going on. Uh, pretty right. much.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the biggest threat is deforestation. Although for the pygmy sloth that lives on Escudo Island off of the coast of Panama and nowhere yeah. else, because their, their um, habitat is so limited, that any deforestation that happens there has put them in grave danger. Um, but it's basically cutting down the forest and then building roads through the forest because sloths will go from tree to tree on the ground sometimes which means that when they encounter a road it's hard to get from one tree to the other aside from on the ground so a sloth crossing the road is probably not a good gamble for the sloth but the more roads we build through the rainforest the the more sloths get hit by cars which is about the saddest thing you could hit by a car or (laughs) with a car
1: yeah and here's uh you know you always hear about um like the movie medicine man like the the cure for cancer maybe in this one
0: Mm -hmm. leaf
1: in the middle of a forest somewhere in a jungle. Mm -hmm. They may not have the key to cancer in a sloth, but the Smithsonian Tropical Research Institute did collect uh, fungi samples, you know, the algae that grows in their fur. uh, And this is of the three-toed sloth. And they found that some of these samples uh, from the sloth coat help fight against malaria or the parasite that causes malaria. And um, Chagas disease, which I know we've talked about, it's another Mm -hmm. tropical parasitic disease, could um, stop your heart. MRSA, cholera, salmonella. Uh, yeah. And they were also active against human breast cancer cells. So pretty yep. amazing.
0: Yeah, which, I mean, like that's the stuff that they found in the algae growing on sloth fur, which, yeah, that that's is correct. astounding. It's yeah. awesome. So we're all going to be chewing on sloths in the future. Well, the, yeah. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be alive. You don't have to kill them or anything. You just... oh. Gently suck on their fur. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, You got anything else? Uh, I got nothing. Well, if you want to know more about sloths, there's a whole internet out there about them, although we did a pretty good job covering it, Chuck, if I do say so ourselves. I think so. Um, Well, since I said internet, that means it's time for Listener Mail.
1: Uh, I'm going to call this politics on your show. (laughs) Hey, guys. Love the show been listening for several years now and i've learned lots of good stuff and you've also introduced me to uh, the end of the world with josh clark and movie crush yeah how about that all right will goes deep uh and he says this recently i was looking through reviews and comments on the show on apple podcasts saw a number of people making critical comments about how you share your opinions on religion and politics too often Um, i am a politically conservative and religious guy and i want to encourage you to keep sharing your opinions I live in a smallish Midwestern town in a red state uh, where I grew up and spent most of my life. Uh, most of the people in my orbit either go to church with me and my family or hold similar conservative views. Uh, your opinions serve as an important function of bringing some alternate, uh, altern- alternative perspectives that sometimes challenge my opinions and encourage me to reevaluate certain positions and views. Please keep interjecting your views, guys. Too many of us automatically dismiss any opinions, and unfortunately, people his views contrast with their own. Um, mm. I used to work for an administrator he would frequently say, "If we're all thinking the same thing, then some of us aren't thinking." Uh, <laughs> that sounds like something. That's on a really
0: great. That's a great motivational saying. poster. That's <laughs> that good. The, that's that's the first album's title for Mouth Farts <laughs> debut.
1: Keep up, oh boy! Keep up the great work, and keep offering your views along with your well-researched and fascinating topics. Well-seasoned. With witty humor and hilarious banter, regards, Will. Well, that was a great,
0: very nice, very kind email. Like, Will saw something, said these guys probably know about this, and I want to make sure that they know it's cool. So, thanks, awesome. Will. That is much appreciated. Um, if you like to join in with Will's course, we love that. I would also be interested to hear other people. We want to write in and explain why we shouldn't share our politics or our views because I'm, I'm very curious to hear the other side as well, sure. which makes me a centrist. Fairness doctor. Um, right. You can go to stuffyoushouldknow.com and find all of our social links there, and you can also send us a good old-fashioned email. Wrap it up, spank it on the bottom, and send it off to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com.
1: Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio.